You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today we have Tanji Moscoso on with us today. Tanji, thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So um, why don't you start? Now, you're a nurse practitioner, right? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you um, are a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So why don't you start by giving us a little bit of background of you as a nurse and how you got into psychiatric nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner, excuse me. Um, So I started off as a regular floor nurse. Um, Initially, I floated around the hospital trying to figure out what was my passion because um, when I was doing my rotations, I didn't really care for much of anything until I got into surgery, which I really liked a lot. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to do that because as a nurse, you know, I knew that I wanted to become a nurse practitioner because I had a couple of mentors were like, you're not going to stop there. You have to keep going. And I promised. Um, and I really did. Like, again, I, I couldn't see myself just being a floor nurse for, for a long time. Um, but I didn't like anything. I'll be honest. I thought it was just like very boring. I hated doing all that regular nursing things. And then I had my rotation for psychiatry. And I was like, oh my God, I love this, right? Like, this is my thing. But I was trying not to like it because everybody was like, you know, you're so smart. You shouldn't go into psychiatry. It's just like, you know, it was looked down upon basically. Um, and so then um, and my mentor, my, my professor for that rotation was really awesome. And she was like, you really comes natural to you. You should pursue it. And so I did, I go one very slowly. Um, I was also a single mom through this process. So I went like one class at a time, two classes at a time. And eventually like I became a nurse practitioner. I loved it and I haven't looked back. So you were a, a psych nurse first, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I floated around first and then I just went into psychiatry, the, the regular floor nurse. Um, and then- okay. All right. Yeah, I had the exact opposite experience. Like when I was in psych, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, I, and I, I'm always like in awe of uh, nurses that do go into psych because it seems really tough. Like, how do you not take on their stories and, and all of what they tell you um, and absorb that? Well, I think that that is, it's not. Um... It, it, it is, um, I think, maybe even a challenge at the beginning because nobody really teaches you those kind of things. And that's how my actual spirituality came into play. And that's why holistic mental health came into play, actually. Okay, so you were a psych nurse and then decided to go back and get your uh, psych mental health nurse practitioner degree. Is that right? Okay. Um, and how long did it take you to do that? Um, you know, I think a year longer than everybody else. So however long the program was, <laughs> I, then I went in. I, I had to work through my whole rotation and they actually didn't want you to work through it. But, you know, I was the only single mom in the group. So they were like, okay, well, we understand your situation. We can't make you not work kind of thing. Yep. 
you need to feed your your kid. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, so then you got your nurse practitioner degree, and did you start working where you were working, or did you get a new job? Oh, so I had a great one of the things that I, I always had great mentors. Now I'm thinking about it. You're lucky. The psychiatrist, yes, indeed. The psychiatrist I worked with through my regular nursing, um, you know, rounds at the hospital at Masonic. He had the most beautiful heart and soul. And he was so not focused on, you know, like he was a medical director. But he would always get the, you know, because we only had five days to see patients, they need to be discharged because otherwise we don't get enough money. You know, how that all works out. Like you have to be searching by this time and he'll be like, that's okay. I, we, we won't get paid, but this patient's not okay yet. Or, you know, he would just go out of his way to really nurture the patient. And he was so good about medication prescribing. Like I would see them come this way. And when they left, they were like a whole new different person. And that made me really love medication in psychiatry um, in the inpatient setting. So anyway, he was really sweet, awesome. And then he, when I graduated, he asked me to work in the outpatient setting with him, under him as a nurse practitioner. And I was like, yes, because I knew he was going to mentor me more. So yeah, that's what happened. So I stayed there until he retired for a couple of years because he was getting older. Right, right. I did my own thing, yeah. Okay, so is it, is it much different to work with people in the outpatient setting than the inpatient setting? And did you like it better? Well, I mean, I think I'm glad I did the inpatient because it taught me a lot about prescribing. I wouldn't have known what to do, honestly, because I think you, I got thrown into the the wolves when I started I didn't realize I did that but they were like yeah here's your set of patients and, and I was like oh, oh my god like it was just one from you know being a baby nurse to all of a sudden you're like in charge of everything and I was like oh, oh my god I'm like these people's lives are rely on me and it was a lot of responsibility but I managed if I had not had that other stuff then I probably would have had a harder time yeah. Did you feel like, um, you know, cause I, and maybe this is just a bad impression of psych is that, you know, I feel like, um, that, you know, it's, it takes so long to see any change in, in patients or clients. Um, you know, how did you kind of, were you able to see quick changes and, and did you feel like you were making like really Im impactful changes on these patients? Yeah, so in the inpatient unit, I think because they come in so acute, you do see medications work like right away and you do see the changes within, you know, the time of stay. So, but in the outpatient setting, when you're looking at more healthy, you know, people with anxiety, depression, that cannot just continue to have a lot of more issues, more so in the social environment, especially if you're talking about kids. Um, you have to look at the whole approach and it did become very like, like, um, you know, like a hamster's wheel, if you must, because I felt like the same people kept coming back and they would never really get better. They would get the same medications, would change medications. And that's when I got tired of prescribing. I realized there was more to it than just prescribing. So what did you do about it at that point? That's when I decided that I needed to start my own practice. 
and help patients come off medication. Okay. Um, and what is your practice called? Holistic Mental Health Wellness Inc. Okay. Um, and so tell me about, um, you know, kind of like the moment where you decided that you were going to do this and, and what your biggest challenges were in, in launching it. So it took me a little while to really decide because that's kind of how my process goes. I really think about things thoroughly. And once I'm ready, I'm like, I'm all in. Let's do it now. Um, so I think for a while, again, I think my own journey, if I'm really transparent, um, took me to learning a lot of things outside of school, um, how to manage life's journey on a different level without becoming the victim, because I think sometimes life happens to us and we look at it as like, it happens to us, like, oh my God, we're the victim of the story. And I stayed there myself for a very long time, even though very functional, right? But in my own soul, it was, I was hurting. And so when I started to figure everything out and obviously it's a journey and you never completely figure it out, um, you are, I thought, oh my God, if I learned all these things without medication, then my patients can learn it too. And that was my big thing. I wanted to teach my patients how to do life as best as I had learned how to do it, right? Like there is a possibility of no medications. Yes, medications are okay. And there's no shame in that. So that's something else. Some people do need it and that's okay too. Um, so there's no shaming in that. But uh, I needed to go into, I took a, a, some time off to do some, groundwork and I think I'd be I went into meditation for a while it's actually more like six months to a year I was working very minimally and I really wanted to know that my practice was not coming from a place of ego but a place from I want to help humanity really get their suffering down right so that's when I figured out that this was a good thing and I wanted to go forward and, and I just went in and I started to do it but it wasn't easy. <laughs> so do you, do you prescribe in, in your practice at this I, point? I, I, okay. Yeah, no, there again. Right, so did, do you need um, like a medical director in your practice for this? Or is that something you're able to do on your own? Uh, so I was able to get the uh, independent practice. Um, I had one of my colleagues um, sign off for that for me. And I was very thankful for that. So I, I am independent. Um, I am a medical director for another facility. So for that reason, I needed a collaborating. And for schedule two medications, you still do need a collaborating in the state of Illinois. So for all that, I do have one right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so when you decided to start your practice, um, what, how did you find clients and how did you bring them in? I started very, like I said, I went through this process of figuring out, do I really want to do it? I, I did all the, like the credentialing, I took baby steps towards that because it was a lot that I didn't know how to do it. I was just kind of learning as I went, but I had contracts, if that you know, 1099. So that supported my practice and everything I was putting into it. So I wasn't really super invested in it until, like I said, I took that time off from meditation. And then I came back and I'm like, I'm all in. Plus some other things happened that pushed me to just push it forward. That was my bread and butter. And um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what, what did you learn through the meditation process? Oh my, 
Uh, <laughs> that could be a whole other episode, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, know. Um, I think, you know, it just helped me, helped me let go because I think I was very much a person that was always wanting to be in control of everything and was working excessive amount of hours. I thought that that's just how, that's just how it was. And that sometimes we, <clears throat> when we let go, things will be able to come and to fruition with less work. Obviously you have to do work, right? You always have to do work, but, but there's something bigger than you that will kind of show you and guide you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I've heard that a couple of times where people will say that, you know, they don't want to do something because they, they feel like they need to be in control. And, you know, my always response is like, you're not really in control. You're under the illusion of you're under control, but you're not. So why don't we start with what you really want to do? And that's a hard thing to find sometimes, especially if you're working three or four jobs or you're working 80 hours a week and, and you just don't allow that time for information to come to you um, or to hear anything. Um, all right, so tell me about uh, your practice and how you approach patients like or clients, I'm not sure what you call them, but um, do you, like somebody that comes, what type of client would come to you and how would you even start to help that person? Sure, so my bigger thing is uh, I, I focus on trauma um, as being the root of Really, and trauma can be any stressor that has not been resolved, right? So it can be something minor. It doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I was sexually abused or anything like that. Um, so my ideal client is one that is ready to do that deep work because we are very much invested in getting to the root of the problem. And sometimes that means going to places that we have not wanted to look at. And um if you are one of those people that look, I just want a pill and that will be all I need. I mean, there's people who refer me some clients, but they usually don't stay with me. They honestly kind of, you know, I, I think I believe in energy. And so I feel like I attract the people that are really ready to do the work and then really want to invest themselves holistically in their healing, whatever that may be. So I do my assessments. And then after I finish with them, I, I will explain what needs to happen and if they're, you know, a good fit. There's times when I take some people on and they're really ready. And then there's people that I will say, look, I will see you for a few sessions. And if we're not ready, I'll refer you to a colleague for the therapy portion of it. Um, and then that sometimes happens. So it's right. just everybody's different. So I don't have like a cookie cutter. This is how I do everybody. It's a little, you know, we're all humans and super individual and special. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, and the trauma piece, I, I find really fascinating because I, I know like when I first started my business, um, you know, I'd run into like mindset blocks and stuff and, you know, I'd read about like trauma related stuff and I'm like, well, I'd had a pretty mediocre middle-class upbringing, you know, like I didn't have any trauma, but I, I think that gets blown out of proportion too, because um, even minor trauma, like trauma that you experience as a child, even if it's minor can cause like beliefs that you hang on to. Um, yeah. And that was something that was hard for me to understand. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. Okay. Um, so 
in terms of like how you get these clients to come to you, like where, how do you find them and how do they get in touch with you? Well, that's something I'm still working on <laughs> because honestly, marketing, I know if you're a business person, you know that that's like a must, right? Like I went to Tony Robbins business mastery thing and that's, that was taught to me. It's a must, right? I have not because I think, um, for a lot of reasons, I still need to work on that one, but more so because I feel like one, it was just me for the longest time. I'm just now starting to hire another therapist, but for me, it was just enough. So how I get my clients is psychology.com. That's one. I have a lot of referrals and those are probably my best ones is when one of my clients will be like, oh, my friend really needs help. Can you see them? I think that that means a lot to me. Um, and then I do round at a local hospital uh, a couple weekends a month. And that's honestly some least amount of referrals I get it from because the psychiatrist who works with me there is the one who usually gets to see all the other patients. But I selectively select some <laughs> if there's some that I think would be a good fit for my practice. So it comes from different places, honestly. Okay. Now you have something called spiritual psychiatry. Can you talk about that? Tell us what it is and what it means. Yeah. So when I go into my evaluation to my patients, I explain what holistic means to me because it, it can mean so many different things to so many people. And I don't want them to ever feel like, oh, well, I thought you meant that, you know, that you're just going to give me supplements and then I'm good to go. Some people think so many things, right? So I clarify what that means. So some people still, so there's a biological, social, psychological, and spiritual aspect of it, right? Um, and so I explain all of that. And then the holistic part and the spiritual part comes in from the spiritual aspect of the treatment. And so what that means is, you know, you can be whatever religion you want to be. I am personally just spiritual. Um, and I just talk about higher power and we do some meditation during our, you know, we do the therapy portion of it. There's a lot of, um, like I said, some EMDR that I work with and some other techniques that I use. Um, it just depends who it is, but I always do bring in that spiritual aspect, whatever that means to them, higher power to me means God to other people. I mean, you know, whatever. So we do some of that groundwork and we do a lot of breath work and we do a lot of, like, you know, I, I recommend yoga. I'm actually thinking of incorporating that into what I do, but there's just so many things within your mind, body, spirit, that it needs to have that connection for you to be able to really heal. And if they're separate, obviously we're not separate, right? We're all one. So. Do you find that um, a lot of the clients, uh, you know, gravitate towards that? Or have you ever had people that are just like, mm, no? Yeah, no, I've, I've been, again, I think I attract the, the kind of patients that are very open. Um, and so everybody seems to actually enjoy. And they've actually asked me to do a podcast on that. <laughs> they want me to meditate with them and send them a little, you know, kind of thing with that so I know I think it's been healing so far my experience yeah that's great so uh and you also do life coaching is that part of psychiatry or is that uh, like just something different because you know I've certainly seen life coaches that are are lay people but 
how do you incorporate that? So I think I started life coaching more so because I really want to be able to help people that are not necessarily within where I practice with my license, right? And so there are techniques that, again, we can use that don't require a license. Um, but obviously, the knowledge that I have from having a license and having my background obviously help. But then that allows me to see people from, you know, internationally, so from other states, other countries. And so that's how that came about. So how does that work in terms of like, so you are a nurse practitioner, but you do life coaching, which doesn't necessarily use, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't use your NP license, but non-NPs could certainly do this. And is there any kind of um, clash with your license when you do life coaching? No, well, that's what I mean. As long as I'm not like trying to prescribe somebody something from out of state and that kind of stuff. So there's that uh, neuro-linguistic programming uh, background. Um, I, I have that. I have a lot of other like energy work certifications. There's just a lot of things, like I said, that I've learned on my journey that I do work. I kind of work on those blockages, like, you know, how you were talking about, well, it's not necessarily trauma, uh, but it is kind of, right? It can be like a five-year-old child, the way I explain it is he wasn't picked up from daycare uh, on time and mommy and daddy came maybe 15 minutes late and he was the last little boy to be picked up and so in his little head he created this you know I'm not enough mommy and daddy are abandoning me you know and we don't even think anything of it right and then when we get older we have like relationship issues like oh, he's not calling me and it's like two seconds after the time he said he was going to call and I freak out do you see? And so I think when we just look at trauma as this horrible thing, I mean, it does affect your life, but it can be those kind of little limited beliefs that we were, unfortunately, traumatized. Yeah, yeah no, it's funny that you picked that example, because that's like, <laughs> one of the things in my life that, you know, to this day, I still think about, and, you know, I gotta let go of it. But, you know, I was always the last person to be picked up in like by 20, 15, 20 minutes, my, my parents would show up 15, 20 minutes, and I'm sitting there on the curbside. That's <laughs> just, yeah. you know, I gotta let it go. <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's those little things in life that that you form these opinions about how the world works. And, you know, you can do all this stuff. And uh, until you get to that root cause of where you form that belief, it's you're just not going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let me ask you this. What, how, what, how does the, I guess, field of psychiatry view stuff like energy healing and spirituality and the EMDR, which if you could explain that a little bit as well, what that is? Yeah, so I don't know that my colleagues all go for that, right? Because I think the way we're taught in, um, in Western medicine is that chronic illness, usually mental health, lies in that is a forever deal like you're never gonna get better you're always gonna need medication right and so if I'm again transparent I had a medical issue not too long ago where I was told I have a chronic illness and that this it's an autoimmune thing and as you know there's very little literature known about how it gets started and being a patient really changed the way that I then started to practice even more with my own patients, right? Because I, the minute you as a provider take away the hope from that person, it's kind of like you're dooming them. And there's a lot of research behind that. 
there's people who have been told they have cancer and they only have like one month to live and that if, if they hear that from their provider, they will die in a month. Now there's people who have had the same diagnosis but were not told they only have one month to live. They were given hope and they actually went into remission. And so I think we have so much the power of our mind, right? That's really where it all comes from. You can make it scientific, you can make it energy, you can make it whatever you want. You can explain it in a lot of ways, but they're all basically saying the same thing. And I think that I have just managed to look at it more on a not only scientific level, but also break it down to like a spiritual level and break it down into an energy level. Again, all of them saying the same thing. And so not everybody may agree with me. I'm sure they don't. And I'm okay with that. But I think as long as I'm not, you know, again, ethically doing anything for my patients that would not heal them and help them, then I think that that's valid, right? Um, and I don't know what else you asked me to answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that, that's good. Um, I asked you about the EMDR, like what that is. Yeah. Is that something they do oh. in, in psychiatry or is that something that's... Yeah, so that's actually another certification that it's more therapy. So it's um, eye movement, desensitization and reprogramming, reprocessing. So it's actually just, you know, for trauma. So for PTSD, it's been studied in um, mostly people who have been in combat. Um, so basically, I, I do use that a lot in my training. I'm actually doing as a, I guess there's like this top EMDR where you're like the connoisseur of it all. Um, getting that one right now just because I want to be able to teach it more. I think it, it helps basically rewire your frontal lobe and your amygdala, which is what happens um, to be an issue <clears throat> and in trauma. There's no communication between your sympathetic whenever you're going to fight, flight, or freeze. And then the frontal lobe, which is obviously, as you know, the part that makes the good decisions, the ones that doesn't get freaked out, the one that is able to make calm, rational choices. And so when you start rewiring those, you start then leaving that story behind of mommy and daddy abandoned me and they just didn't care and I'm going to die by myself kind of thing. And then you go, oh, no, mommy and daddy were just late. And, oh, look at me. I actually grew up with them, you know, and they love me so much. So the story gets rewritten. And whenever people don't text you back on time anymore, you kind of go, oh, it's they're probably just running late. You no longer go to that freak out mode. That's not that you forget that five-year-old memory, but you wrote a different story for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's what I love about that therapy, that it actually creates that rewiring so that you don't live in that place anymore. So how do you decide who needs what, or do you do a little bit of everything with everybody? Yeah, I, I do. It just depends on how it comes up. So sometimes we may be doing EMDR and then I can tell that they are having problems with, you know, like inner child, the inner child is really wounded and she can't get out of it and, and she needs healing or he needs healing and so then we'll go into doing some inner child work at that point and we'll just kind of take a break from the MDR. It just depends. Sometimes I do a little NLP in there, like you know, just parts integration. Sometimes a part of us wants this, but a part of us wants that. We're not sure what decision to make, you know, business, relationships, life in general and I'll throw that in there. So it just depends on what comes up in session. Okay. So it's not really a static algorithm. You just start somewhere and see how it progresses and then bring in these other modalities um, as needed. 
Absolutely. I, I think everybody's different. So and life happens. So we could be working on one thing sometimes and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens that they immediately need help with. So Okay. Um, all right. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, what is kind of like the big vision for your business? Where are you going with it? What do you hope to, it to look like in the next couple of years? Yeah. You know, I think I wanted to franchise it because I originally thought that we need to do it differently. We can't just be prescribing and thinking, okay, to your therapist, which is what I used to do. <laughs> And then I realized that, you know, that it, 20 years later, it's still talking about the same story, you know. Um, so the idea is maybe that. Um, and then also, I originally thought I was just going to be me, a one, me and my biller, <laughs> right? And then and now I'm actually, like I said, I'm, I'm hiring a therapist who is a CBT talk therapist. That's his thing. And, you know. There's times, like I said, where I refer out, I think that that's needed sometimes to just get started with talking. Um, so I'm actually creating a little community. It's my thought of what other people who have the same passion can bring into and still maybe the franchise moving forward, but slowly moving it into that whole holistic. So maybe introducing yoga into my practice where we actually do have a room where we can do yoga. Um, it can be very healing for trauma, for sure. I also want to bring in like somebody who does um, like a physical tr personal trainer, right? Because exercise is so important to the mind, body, spirit. We all know that. So those kind of things to make it more, more holistic and you must in one place. And maybe functional medicine. I'm, I'm actually really considering that because of what I'm going through <laughs> with my medical health. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, if people want to get in touch with you or, or learn more about your business, where can they go? They can go to that website, but I think um, actually my email and my phone would be best. So um, hmhwinc at my whole name, tangimoscoso.com or that 224-366-7537. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this podcast with us. I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much.